The Ensemble Advice South Africa podcast is intended for professional financial advisors. All discussion is limited to publicly available information and should not be interpreted as legal, professional or financial advice. Ensemble Advice is not a licensed financial services provider and does not provide financial services. Before making investment decisions, you should obtain financial advice from a qualified financial advisor. I'm Louis van der Merwe, Certified Financial Planner. Join me every week where I get to have discussions with global leaders in the financial planning space to help you serve your clients better and run a more efficient financial planning practice. This is Financial Planners South Africa podcast. Portfolio Metrics is thrilled to bring you this podcast in support of our common passion for people and the evolution of wealth management. Our global business links precision investment management to expert financial advice through partnerships and technology. Portfolio Metrics is an authorized financial services provider. Comspace is a revenue management solution developed specifically for independent financial advisors. It is a web-based application that tracks, allocates, and manages advisor revenue. The system seamlessly reads commission statements from financial institutions and can address any permutation of commission splits. Comspace provides mind-blowing, out-the-box revenue business intelligence and analytics, along with super-flexible reporting to effectively manage and grow your business. Welcome to another episode of Ensemble Advice South Africa. Today, I have with me in the studio yet again, Francois Detoy. Francois was the guest all the way back on episode 21. And if you've listened to it, you will know that Francois is a creative at heart, someone that loves tinkering with anything new, but also someone that's pushing the evolution of financial advice forward. Francois, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, what a pleasure to be back, Louis. Really appreciate it. Um, you know, it's not often that one gets to make a comeback and uh, I'm going to take it with both hands today. You are allowed to rectify anything you said on the previous show and uh, we, we can revisit that. But I want to talk a little bit about skills other than the normal things that we expect a financial planner to know. You know, the technical stuff, going through your education, maybe obtaining your CFP designation, and now I think almost everyone is probably aware of the fact that they need the, the human side, right? They need to have a little bit of skills around self-development and maybe even coaching. But a skill that's neglected in my mind is talking about, number one, the creative process, but also getting comfortable creating content, sharing information. And that might be speaking, that might be creating different forms of content, you have now created for the third year the Speaker and Influencer Program, which I'm very excited about. But rewind a little bit. Tell us the story behind why this came about and what kind of led you to building this. Yeah, and I, look, I, Louis, I wish that I could take the credit for, for coming up with the idea for this program. I'm very good at recognizing when something is of extreme value and something that's very much needed and something that could really change lives. So, so that's more my superpower. But uh, the brainchild uh, for or the person behind this brainchild is actually Adam Owen from Next Gen Planners in the UK. And uh, when we sort of started, you know, talking to one another a few years ago, uh, he mentioned this and I just immediately said to him, but, whoa, tell me more. 
And as he then shared with me what this was about, I said, look, oh, we've got to bring this to South Africa. But then also, on the other hand, I knew this is going to be a big job, you know, and uh, somewhere by chance, uh, Razan Westhuizen from Profile, me and myself got talking, and we then became the hosts for the first time that we brought it to South Africa. And uh, from there now, we are really the South African face uh, for the Speak and Influencer Program, the International Speak and Influencer Program. But I think, you know, the whole idea was just born from, I know that when I was at school, there's nothing that you could do to get me on a stage and talk to a group of people. For a long time in my career, I didn't want to do that. And just, you know, speaking to somebody that I don't know well even was a challenge. And it was it was really something that I think for me was a big, I won't say a challenge, but it's definitely something that made me very uncomfortable. Then in about 2010, I think, it was around about 2010, uh, I worked for a product uh, provider here in South Africa. I worked for them for quite a long time. And I was branch manager and they then had these sessions that they wanted to roll out across the country where the branch managers got all of the sort of the advisors that we looked after together and then had a, had a, had a uniform message that we wanted to deliver to all of them. So as part of that, I had to go for speaker training. And that really is where the, call it the bug, started biting me to say, but this is really an incredible skill to have. And it's an, an important skill to have because it's not so much about getting up and being able to talk. It's more about crafting your message and being able to deliver that message in a way that's memorable and that actually gets people's attention. But I think more to that is to get them to take action on the other side of it. So that's where it was born so many, many, many years ago. So, Louis, when I saw this uh, from Adam, then I said, like, this, got, this has got to come to South Africa, and I'm very happy that he said yes. Francho, I want to know a little bit more about that training because it sounds very different from something like Toastmasters where they would help you, you know, project your voice and talk to your audience, where this almost sounds a little bit more like storytelling. It's like crafting a really good story that's, pulling your audience in. Yeah, um, I think you're, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head there, Louis. And so the International Speaking Influencer Program is really about one. Uh, I think a big part of it is that, you know, we are, I think a big part of the mission is that we want to change the face of financial planning conferences across the globe. So it's not only South Africa, but, but everywhere. So to do that, you need new voices, new faces, but often these new voices, new faces need help. So this is very different from a Toastmasters, although I've never been to a Toastmasters session myself. Uh, what we focus on heavily in this program is to help people put together their message. And exactly what you said is to use a story, but there's other methods as well. So there's stories, um, you know, and there's acronyms and there's all sort of these models and things that you can use to put together a message and then deliver it. So the delivery and the how you talk and even delivering it virtually, we, we focus a lot on doing it virtually because at the end of the day, everybody that participates and that successfully completes the program gets to speak at the Global Financial Planning Conference that we host in May. Now, at that, they get to do a 10-minute slide-free talk. You know, so it's nice, it's energetic, it's, uh, it's fast-paced, it's dynamic, and there's such incredible stories from these, call it, first-time speakers, because by far the majority of them haven't got any speaking um, experience uh, from, 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 from before. 
So this program then enables them because you can see as we go through the program that the biggest thing is crafting the message, getting everything you want to say into a 10 minute space, coming up with a title, you know, formulating all of that. That's really the big challenge. Nobody is so concerned about what am I, how am I going to say this? How they're all focused on the content. And I think that is the powerful thing because it translates to other things way beyond just speaking from a stage, be it a virtual or in-person stage. How are you positioning the value of this skill? Because if I think back to my early days in my career, I probably didn't expect that I would have to do presentations in front of groups, you know, maybe talk to employer groups around some benefits. And it's something that I think has always excited me, yet... I didn't really know that that is a skill that was required to become a financial planner. Is the same true here where you're planting that seed for someone to work on it? Because even now, like if I look at the the podcast, 85 episodes in, I've worked on the skill. It's not just something that I could say, oh, I've done one and you know now I've kind of mastered it. Um, it's really a kind of evolution. So it, are you seeing this as the, the kickoff of building that skill or is it just getting someone a taste of what it feels like to present. This is this is the thing that, look, I mean, I guess on the other side of this program, somebody's going to feel like, no, nah, I was right. It wasn't for me. We haven't seen <laughs> that really you. yet. <laughs> so it is possible. But most people, and, and this is something I realized in December, Louis, I was just paging through LinkedIn and I just saw all these people that in the last two years went through the program and this one is speaking on the radio. That one is on TV. This one is hosting events. These ones are doing webinars that they've never done before. And in that moment, I realized like what this has done, because many of them I had to have discussions with and say, you're not pulling out. You're not giving up. You're going to see this through. I see the talent. I see the potential. You've got to keep going. So many of them. So everybody goes through that and they get overwhelmed and they get stressed because it's, it's a quite an intensive program. But then that's where that, you know, I don't know, Louis, like if you've ever done something for the first time and as you finish it, you go like, you look back and you go, oh, I'm so glad I saw it through. And that's exactly what happens. And that is the kickoff point, really. Once they've done it for the first time, then they go and like, what else is possible? And then they start doing it more and more. Uh, and I've got a very good sense of what you're talking about. You know, the first episode to the 85th episode, it's, uh, you know, you learn every single time. There's something you think like, oh, I could have done that. I should have done that. So it, it's, a, it's a forever learning process. But I think, you know, this is merely the, 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 the spark that many people need to take their message to the world. Because the one thing is most people have got a message in their heart that they really want to take to the world. But sometimes they just don't have the courage to do it. And other times they think, oh, what are people going to think about me? And this program helps you overcome that in a big way. Almost like it's some kind of commitment device to say, you've signed up for this. It's like signing up for a race, right? We're going to help you train. And when you've finished any kind of running race, especially the big ones, you tend to say, oh, I'm never running again. But two days later, you start planning the next race. It, it seems to me as if this is very similar. Share with me a few of the, of the emotions that have come up for people in the past that have done this. You've mentioned that you've had to kind of motivate. Is this what you expected when someone signed up to say, I, I, I actually want to do this? Because they're doing this voluntarily, right? You're not forcing them to do this. 
Yeah, so so maybe if I can can start off with what the process is. So this is a fully sponsored program. So you don't pay to go through the program, which in itself is a problem because you know when you get something mm. for free, then sometimes you know it's it's not as valuable to people. But we go through a rigorous application process to try and make sure that the people we we select and there's only a select number of seats available every year that they are the ones that we feel um, have got a message. They are the ones that are most committed and they are the ones that will see it through when things do get tough. And I must say over the last three years, by far the majority of people saw it through. We, every year there's something that happens. You know, we've had people get very sick um, and things like that. So there's always like between two and five people that do fall out. But I mean, if we choose 30 people, 25 of them go on to to speak at the conference, which I think is is great. Um, to get to your real on, a question around the emotions, so there's always this excitement, first of all, right? So I'm excited and I got in and I'm so glad and thank you, everybody, and, and all of that. Then they, they start seeing the schedule and then they realize like, whoa, this is more than just, uh, this isn't a simple, you know, watch a few videos on YouTube and there you go. Like this is an intense program with international speaking coaches. We've got speaking coaches from South Africa. We've got all of these live sessions that they have to attend. And then there's all this work that needs to go into their, their, um, their, 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 their talk and their title and all of those things. So then it becomes overwhelming to them as well. And they become stressed and they feel, I can't do this. And there's, there's emotions and feelings of doubt that set in. So we see this every single year, but that's our job. So, you know, every time in the middle of the program, we have a whole get together with everybody. And then we have a chat to them and say, look, this is where you are. It's not the first time we've seen this. It's okay how you feel. We are here as your support and, and we do a lot of that. So we call them drop-in sessions. So you, you get to, to, to book one-on-one -on -one time with us or you can do, you know, when we have these group sessions as well. But there's a lot of support for them and that's the only way to get them through because if we left them to their own devices, you know, I think half of them would, would probably decide, no, 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 this is not worth the stress. So it is a serious program. It is stressful, but the learning and the growth far outweighs the stress and the overwhelm that, that one needs to go through. Um, and then at the end, there's this, I don't know what the right word is, but you can see it on their face. When that 10 minute ends, when this 10 minutes end, it's just like, not just relief. It is just, they are so proud of themselves for just seeing it through. And I can tell you that the feedback we get every single year is absolutely amazing. And that's what keeps us going. We already opened the wait list for next year. So, you know, we already know this is happening next year as well. Um, and it's simply because of the impact that we see this has um, from, from that point. I read in your documentation that you have applied the, a ratio of 50-50, like having 50 men and 50 women present. Tell me why that is the case. So we're all about, if you want to change the face of financial planning conferences, I think a good place to start is, you know, with a gender balance uh, to say we want equal opportunity for men and women. And then in South Africa, I mean, there's other challenges that we have. And if you look at the cohort we have this year, we are so excited that naturally we have such a good split, you know, amongst not just men and women, but people from all races that are taking part as well. So we're really, really proud that this program is helping to drive diversity as well and giving people the opportunity. Look, the one thing that I will never do and something that I stand for 
and I'm proud to say that, is that we don't just hand out opportunities. You've got to commit. You have to put up your hand. We'll create the opportunities. We'll make it available to you. But you need to, first of all, put your hand up. And secondly, you need to do the work. So that's the only basis that we that we decide on. And it's quite an interesting process uh, because we've got this application that people need to write in. So there's a few questions. Then we anonymize those questions. And we only, there's a panel of four that we only look at the questions and then each one of us independently rate whether we think somebody should be considered or not. And then we go through that whole process. And by the end, it's, it's just weird enough. Like when we got to the end, we were 16, 14 this year. So 16 women, 14 men. So that's where we ended up just naturally without even knowing who it was, what gender they are. Cause the only thing we can see is the four, four questions. So it's quite an interesting process, um, and and yeah, all we're trying to do is just drive diversity. But I think more than that is creating opportunities for those who want them. Uh, that's the most important part. What's been the feedback from some of the other attendees in the previous years? Because I can imagine that they would say, "Yes, I'm now better at presenting, or I'm comfortable speaking in front of people." But is there any secondary? benefits that maybe surprised you or even some of the people that presented that they didn't think they were going to get from doing this? So there's one that jumps to mind, Louis, um, and we actually made a video because this person sent us a voice note when he saw we were busy with the new cohort and all of that. He sent us a voice note to Rosanna myself. And he was saying like, when he did this, and he was one of the guys that I had to talk to last year and say that you're not dropping out. I don't want to hear your story. I don't want it like nothing. I was very harsh with him. (laughs) And he saw it through. And now what's happened off the back of this is that because he did a, it's Wilco Yonka, he did a, a talk around the advisor with the hat. And in this talk, he was undressing. You know, not completely at other clothes underneath <laughs> his, his fancy clothes, but he got undressed. This is fa- suitable for family viewing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, put a hat on and all of that. And that's how he, he started. And, and he did this whole concept around the perception that people have, you know, based on how you look and how you dress. And then off the back of that, what, what he sent us in the voice that I wasn't aware of this at all. Um, is the fact that he now, they're busy building a whole brand around the advisor with that. There's an actual brand now being created. He works for one of the, 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 the bigger companies and they are helping him to craft this because he got to then talk to a lot of other advisors within the business about this and, and why he does this and the experience of all of that. So that has now evolved totally. And he said that uh, in a voice that he said, I had my best year in 16 years. You know, so so that's something, and there's many more stories like that. Um, you know, people went on to really start. I mean, things like book clubs and all sorts of weird things that they that they did with this because they got comfortable doing things virtually. Number one, and then secondly, just being able to craft their message in a way that would attract the right people. Um, you know, so so we're actually now encouraging the past guys to to send us some testimonials and send us just some what has transpired. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so, but, but Wilco's one is one that, that really stands out for me at this, at this time. And it was something that I didn't foresee, you know, I didn't go like when he was doing his talk, this is going to be something. It's something that just happened. I think nobody thought that that would even, even, even be possible. Wow. Francois, I've, I've seen when people can actually exercise that creative muscle, that something new is created and they, they almost get energy from that and you're allowing them to do this but 
in the same breath, you have done this in your personal life. I mean, that's how you are making a living now. Your YouTube channel has many, many viewers, and it's a massive, massive commitment. Are you sharing a bit of your own personal story? Say, hey, this this is what I'm doing, and this is how I'm, you know, creating my creative expression or platform? Yes. So we, um, I actually was one of the coaches this year. So previously I wasn't, this year I was. And I specifically talked about connecting with your audience virtually. So talking about the virtual connection. And um, it was it was a very practical session to say, you know, simple things from the technical stuff to the how do you connect with the camera and make sure and how do you connect and engage with the audience and all of those things. So it's a, you know, taking what I've learned and I'm by no means thinking like I've got it all figured out because every week when we do the show, I go, mm, should have done this. Oh, I forgot that. I, you know, and some weeks you're just not on your game and then you press the wrong buttons and all sorts of things are happening. But it is that <laughs> I think what we've learned is, sort of what works long term and what are the things that matter and what are the things that people will engage with and what do they want to listen to and what makes it easy for them to consume the content you know whether it's being live and listening to something attending a webinar attending you know a talk that somebody is having whatever that situation may be um, you know we, we try our best and, and and I think where most of that comes out actually is in the drop-in sessions because that's really where people can come and ask questions and they pose their specific situation to us and that's then where we get the opportunity to give input and feedback and sort of use what we've learned because both Rizan and myself have gone through this program in the first year as well you know so so we're giving back a lot from from that perspective uh, as well and uh, it's just a uh, you know continuous I, th- I think it's about having the courage to try um you know we don't all have the answers and by the time we figure something out there's something new happening again but uh, you know we keep going we keep learning and then we share that knowledge as much as possible so we tend to look at the people that have put in you know all the work and all the training and all the effort and and we expect to just jump in there and say, oh, if, if I could only do it that way or if I could only have so many subscribers or so many listeners. Yet they didn't start there. They went through this journey and people supported them. And I really like this concept of what you're saying is that the work happens in the drop-ins and in between the sessions. It really reminds me of financial planning and even coaching to a certain extent where we see the value being unlocked in between the sessions. Like, what is there that you think we can maybe enhance that? Is there reflection exercises or journaling? Or do you think there's tools that we could apply both to your speaker and influencer program, but also to our financial planning clients to, to squeeze out a little bit more value in between sessions? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to give a very, very unpopular answer because most people dread this and most people don't do this. And in fact, they profess that they never, ever do this, specifically people who are already experienced in, in speaking. And that is, you know, I think one of the best things I did and where I learned the most, I learned a lot on speaking and influence. I learned a lot from speaking to people like Adam, for example. But where I learned the most was watching my episodes afterwards but not watching could say, oh, and you know, all that stuff. I, I looked at it from a, just listening. What was I saying? How was I saying it? There was a time where I said, um, 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 a lot. I now do it less, but I now have the words like so and like, you know, that I now put in there. So, so there's consistently, unless I listen to these things, you don't pick up on, on, on those. 
And it's also a lot less confrontational if you listen to yourself and you pick up by yourself because it's so easy when you listen to yourself to find out, ah, I can do that differently. I see I do this over and over. Something you never realize while you're doing it, only afterwards. You know, that's there's so much value in that. And it's much easier than, for example, Louis, if I were to send you something and you were to critique it and tell me you can do this better, you can do that better, look at this, look at that. It's much simpler and easier to just, when you recorded something, just go back and listen to it because that's, you know, just think about like sitting with a client, you know, whether it's virtual. I mean, most people would anyway record those today. So you listen to that, um, what you explain to the client, you know, whatever part of the process it's in, whether it's an onboarding part or whether it is gathering the information, you know, sort of connecting with the client, asking questions, gaining that deep understanding, or then presenting what you think the client should do. All of those different things, if you start listening to what you're saying, you're definitely going to pick up on things that you think, oh, well, that, that doesn't sound so great. Or maybe can't I do it in this way? And then you try that and you listen to it again. So yeah, many people say they never ever listen to themselves ever, but I still believe that's one of the most powerful ways to to better yourself uh, from a from a presentation point of view. Francois, just to clarify, that's after your episode has gone live or after you've presented or after you've had your client engagement, then you would say, I can't fix what's happened, but I can learn from this experience. Is there... There's something that you are listening or looking at specifically or, you know, does it just jump out at you? It literally jumps out because once you do something over and over again, because it, it, it will be a habit, you know, but it's an unconscious habit almost, the things that we do and the way that we speak. And it's okay to say um, when you're thinking, it's if you do it, you know, too much, for example, or, or something that, that, that I've often uh, picked up on is that I explain certain concepts. We have a way of explaining specific concepts always the same in, in the same manner. And then that starts jumping out of you because you keep hearing it. You keep hearing it. And then you start thinking like, no, 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 but there must be a better way or there is a better way. Or you know what? That is spot on. Like I just need to keep doing that. So, so it literally jumps out at you in, in my experience. Like it's always go, yeah, something that's glaringly obvious that I need to take a look at. As you said that, I thought to myself, maybe it's helpful to have a set of stories for clients, right? Things that we do over and over and stories that we tell over and over, but maybe something that has been crafted in a specific way to hit home with a client or to hit home with an audience. And and that's very much what you're doing here, right? Yeah, but, but I think the important part of those stories is who does it depict as the hero, you know, is it me? So, so is it, am I the hero taking people through speak and influencer, or is it the person doing and completing speak and influence really the hero, and I'm just the guide? You know, so I think yes, absolutely, we should have these stories, but we need to be very cognizant of who we place in the role of the hero, and that should be always the client, because there are other clients like them who have gone through the journey before them. And we need to say, this is what they did. And then, and this is how we helped. So we just support, for example, and you can have a very nice story around that. And in fact, you know, I guess the story doesn't even have to be true because the most powerful picture you can paint in someone's mind, and this is something that Adam Dahl, uh, taught me, is that is the picture in your mind is so much more powerful than any picture I can show you. So if we are able to really describe things well you know whether it's a true story or not that doesn't matter it's about bringing home the concept and bringing home the message and getting people 
to take note and then to take action afterwards. But I think there's also a big part to that, um, Louis. I think the one thing we must be careful of is that we're not the ones talking all the time. There needs to be engagement. And for me, engagement means meeting of the minds. It's a bilateral conversation. You know, the client is physically applying their minds to the situation, asking questions as well. So it's not a, a conversation or a story driven from just the financial advisor side. It's definitely engagement is a very important part of that of that recipe. Francois, do you think we can expect an in-person conference from Propulsion uh, at some point in the future, or is this staying uniquely online? So as far as the Global Financial Planning Conference is concerned, it's uh, uniquely online because we've got people participating from, from all over the world. So getting everybody in the same room is going to be hard. We've, we've spoken before about, you know, do, how do we do it and do we live stream everything, you know, the South African portion and then the UK and the US and Australia and from all over. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that obviously comes with a, with a lot of uh, logistics. So I don't think we, we're there yet, but there has been, been discussions around that. But for now, it's a, it's 100% a virtual event. Because I'm wondering if it's not almost a little bit easier to start off online than to, you know, jump in in front of a massive audience. It's, I know it's different, but do you find people are easier to engage in an online presentation than in person? Yeah, it depends on, 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 uh, if you say engage, Leo, you're talking about the audience or you're talking about the person delivering the, the talk. The person delivering the talk, does it take more guts to do this in person than online? I think people have got mixed emotions about that. And I started smiling when you asked this question, um, because it's great. I don't know what you're going to ask. And there's some people who are so uncomfortable staring into a camera and not seeing anybody. And then on the other hand, if there were a thousand people or 500 people, or whatever it was last year, we had a thousand, 200 people attend the event. You know, they get also that, that's also scary and overwhelming. So I guess, you know, if, if I were to put my opinion on this, I would say virtual is always easier uh, because with virtual, you have all sorts of things that you can have in front of you and that you can refer to, you know, if you get lost in your, in your thoughts. Whereas in person, you know, you've got to have it really whack. So I would say starting off virtual is probably an easier route and then from there taking it to in person. But those are two very different experiences. We were joking beforehand that you just have to look at the right camera to remember to speak to your audience. That's very true. Eh? I've become so used to, if I look at specifically now that I've got new cameras, uh, but even before, you know, I would find sometimes where I'll be recording a audio only thing, but I'm talking to the camera as if that camera is on. And then sometimes, but there's no one, this thing isn't even on. So if you do it a lot and you, you focus so on that little round, lens there in the middle of the camera and whether you have a webcam or whether it's in your a built-in laptop camera or you've got a DSLR camera or whatever you have you can see that little circle in the middle and as long as you stay focused on that uh, the one thing that I don't know Louis, if you experience this but if you really hone in on that suddenly the whole world disappears and you forget about all the other screens and all the other things and you're so focused on that so for me it's also a distraction from the distraction if I might put it that way. So, yeah, but it, it, it took me a long time. And even now, like, as I said earlier, you go back and watch some of the things. I can see like some of my episodes this year when we started with season four was I'm looking down and I'm looking all over here. And when I'm talking, I'm not focusing on the camera. So the last three episodes, I've been focusing heavily on the camera again because I became aware that I'm looking all over the place. And the thing is, you want to look into the camera because if I ask you, Louis, to move to the left or the right, 
doesn't matter where you move, it's going to look like I'm looking you straight in the eyes. Um, you know, but if I look just a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right, it's a whole different story. So, uh, you know, if you do it a lot, it almost becomes, it's just, it's almost like changing gears in a car. It's just what you do. And so this, you picked this up through reviewing your video that you saw that, hey, I'm not maybe engaging with the camera enough. Is that what yeah, I'm hearing? Because it felt to me like I'm, I don't connect, you know, if somebody doesn't look at you, then you're not connecting. And you pick it up very, very quickly from any video and go look at any YouTube video, for example. The guys are really good at this. They are focused on you. They're looking you in the eye. They're talking to you. So if you don't do that, if you're all over the place, then there is no connection. And that's why I say relationships and connection are built eye to eye. It doesn't have to be literally in person, but you've got to be able to look each other in the eye. And hence why I believe, yes, articles are great. Audio is great. But video at the end of the day is the thing that makes people feel over time like they know you, you know, because that we look each other in the eye, basically, even though all I can see is a little glass with a hole in it is <laughs> basically all I can see. But um, for the person watching this, it's a completely different experience. Franchot, for someone that's maybe now comfortable doing online meetings with their clients, so I'm thinking financial planners and advisors that really want to up their game, like what has been the most valuable investment in terms of a piece of technology or a training course to div- to like yeah to up your game when it comes to virtual meetings and conferences. Louis, it's um look you see now I'm looking to the right um for me because I got to think now the if I think about like one of the things that makes the biggest difference for me is really two things. The one is obviously the audio. Everybody says that, but when it's easy to listen to someone because the audio is of good quality. That makes the world of difference. It lifts the entire experience. But then the thing that most people do not want to do because it is quite a costly thing is a better camera. Uh, You know, the built-in camera, we all think like, that's fine. I can use my built-in camera. I mean, you've got an Apple MacBook Pro. You know, that camera isn't bad. That's great. But you know, it's not the same as using a DSLR camera or even just using an external HD webcam. So, you know, you're looking at at least like a, a 2,000 Rand investment. And I mean, if you look at my cameras and your camera, it's like 13, 15,000 Rand for, for that investment. But ultimately, you know, it's part of previously it was just how we dressed. But now this entire sort of look and feel of how things, the thing that I probably get the most comments on if I have meetings like, wow, I love your background or, oh, you're in your studio. You know, people are disappointed when I have meetings and I'm not in my studio. So they become used to the quality of what it looks like. Um, so, So a great camera helps that. And a very simple tip, by the way, and I give this to everybody and I think people laugh at me and that's fine. But clean the lens of your camera every single time before you have a meeting. That is probably the biggest tip that makes the biggest difference to the quality of your video. Because as soon as you don't have sufficient light, then those little dust particles and things really degrade what it is that you can see on camera. So even if you don't want to buy a proper camera, you know, at least clean that lens every single time. But um, I would say, you know, at least a normal webcam, like Logitech. I love Logitech. So they, they're HD webcams, 1080p webcams are great. Francho, I want to add to that because I've had a few client meetings where it almost felt like the client felt uncomfortable because they saw the microphone or maybe had headphones on and it felt to them as if they're in a recording studio, which they maybe didn't expect. And so I've been trying to sometimes tone down things a little bit. So 
just to accommodate the client. I know your type of engagements might be slightly different, but has there been a time where you felt the technology or or the actual gadgets were an interruption or a hindrance in the conversation? Louis, yeah, so it's funny that you mentioned that because in the last while, I'm now busy looking at getting uh, monitor speakers that I can run through my setup uh, because everything's got to be connected in the right way so that you don't get feedback without headphones. The biggest reason why I wear headphones is the is that there's no echo or picking up other sounds, etc. So I've become acutely aware that if I just want to do a talking head video, you know, kind of thing where we, I just want to want to talk, but there's no real like you and I have a conversation, so both of us are wearing headphones, maybe or whatever. You know, in that case, I think people expect it. But what I found is that. Specifically, if I want to reuse the content, you know, it just doesn't look, I almost feel like people, it's just a webinar, you know, because as soon as there's headphones, it's like, this is a webinar. Instead of saying, well, no, this is a proper, let's say informational, educational video like we do, um, and not having this. So you'll see, uh, we recently released some stuff on LinkedIn where I wasn't wearing my my headphones, but I can only do that if I'm not talking to someone. So I, I think you touched on a very valid point to say, you know what, Sometimes all of this is distracting, maybe not intimidating, but definitely distracting to the person on the other end um, from that point because they don't necessarily, you know, uh, what is the right word? They they don't go out to make things better or to have this kind of setup. I mean, this is really when you're really into content that, that you'll do this. But the normal client on the street would not necessarily do that. So I think, um, you know, very important that that one – uh, takes note of that and then see, I still believe it's almost like dressing one level higher, but not 10 levels higher than the client. So this, so this is the new dress one level higher, I would say. Yeah, you don't want to be rocking up in your tuxedo and the client's expecting to go to the beach. Um, yes. is, is that still relevant to dress one level higher than a client? Is that something that has resonated with you? Yes, it is. It is an interesting thing, Louis. So, I mean, you can ask a lot of people that have had meetings with me recently. I rock up in my shorts and my propulsion shirt and that's it. I, this is the way I dress. This is the way I work. The only time I dress different is if I MC an event or I have to speak on stage. It's the only time where I'll dress different and I will ask what the dress code is for that event and then dress accordingly. I had an experience last year where somebody said they would not refer other people to me because and, and when we duck deeper into that it was because of the way I dressed they expected because they it's, it's something that's very important to them so you have one or two of those people in the audience you know and then it's for them it's an issue so one needs to decide like I am who I am I dress how I dress um, you know and then if there's one or two people who doesn't like it then so be it or do you try and make everybody happy I guess is the question but there is a limit, I would say, about how we should dress. I don't think it's as important. I mean, take Wilco's story with the advisor with a hat. Um, there's stories. I listened to a podcast of a guy in the UK that started his own firm, um, you know, has tattoos and all sorts of things, things that were taboo at his previous employer. And he's got loads of clients, you know, it's just like you attract the right people. Um, if you just are authentic. Cause, and, and, and by the way, being authentic is a big part of that session that I did uh, for everybody. Cause I think that is, really my strong suit is around that and not just authenticity, but being vulnerable and being open and honest and, and so forth in, in these discussions. I think those things weigh much more than the way you dress. 
this all ties into what you see is what you get, right? Like from this brand, I can expect consistency, I can expect good quality, and I can expect a great message, which is what you're tying in with a speaker and influencer program. Francois, for anyone listening, and they might be keen to join in on this, number one, is there still available spots? And if there is a few, how do they go about applying for this? Yeah, so uh, this year's program is already running. Uh, it runs from February until May, but the waitlist is open for next year. So what happens is we opened the waitlist uh, last week and uh, you can simply, there's a, a website, financialplanningconference.global and you can go there, register your interest, and then in September, the application's open. So everybody that joined the waitlist will send all the details of how to apply and the application forms and all of those good things. And then from there, the process runs. By December, we announce who got in, and then uh, the program starts in February every year. So this year is full, but next year, if you want, if you're interested, then join the waitlist. And if we want to view these presentations, like where do we go? Yeah, so uh, you, we're selling tickets to the Global Financial Planning Conference. They're 349 rand a ticket, and uh, it's all on our website, so propulsion.co.za forward slash GFPC23. Um, so that's for Global Financial Planning Conference. Or if you just land up on propulsion.co.za, you go to events and you'll see the Global Financial Planning Conference there. It explains exactly what it's about. Um, we announced the, all of the speakers that are going through the program at the moment. And then also you can book your tickets there. And whether it's group bookings or individual bookings, whatever the need is, uh, you can all do it through the website. Francho, I do want to mention to you that uh, it's happened a few times now where I've Googled someone's name and you know what comes up? An interview that you did with that person maybe three or four years ago on your YouTube channel. And it's so wonderful to see how propulsion and, and the work you're doing is becoming a household brand for financial planners and just moving this profession forward yeah it's a it's a it's a bit of a passion and a, maybe a curse on the one hand because i said to somebody yesterday louis that uh yeah was it yeah it was, no, it was yesterday the day before uh on i can't remember now like somewhere because i have many conversations even on the weekends and stuff with the people and i was just saying that you know i it doesn't feel like work you know so it means that i never stop because a lot of people say like do you ever stop um, Rianette Whitehead interviewed me on, on Friday and she, and her first question was like, do you ever stop? You know, and it's, it doesn't feel like work. So it's, it's a blessing and a curse from that point because sometimes I do run out of steam, but, um, I'm very grateful and blessed that I, you know, sort of, cause when we started doing that, I mean, I've been around now for two and a half decades. It's been, been an eternity in, in my life, but it's only since we started the show in 2020 that people are becoming more and more aware of what it is that we do. And for that, I'm very grateful and I'm very humbled by that. And, and still, you know, till today, you know, there's a lot of good things that I can share with you that has happened off the back of that. But at no point can I really go and say, you know what, we did this and then this happened and this, we did this and this happened. It's all just how these things magically all work together. And, uh, you know, if there's, if there's one thing that, we want to do as propulsion is just, you know, we just want to give people and specifically financial planning professionals a place to belong because we find that they're very alone. And we all know that um, even if you're working in a bigger business, we often find because you're so entrenched in your practice that you, you feel alone. So that's a big thing. And then also people, they, they battle sometimes to grow. You know, other people are very fortunate. It seems like whatever they do, their business just keeps on growing for others. It's more a case of, oh, it's not so, so easy. 
And then, you know, it's this thing, do you survive or do you thrive? And, and we want to create that, that platform where people can belong, where they can grow and they can thrive. And that is what drives me every single day. It's what gets me up in the morning. I remember fondly back in 2015 when I had a financial planning practice, I couldn't get out of the bed at 10 in the morning, you know. So even though I have a passion for the, for the profession, I have a passion for financial planning, I hated doing the job myself. I really didn't enjoy that. Whereas now, like I can't even go to sleep because my mind doesn't leave me alone. I'm thinking about all this cool stuff that we can still do. And, and, and that's the blessing and, and the privilege I have, Louis. So, uh, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's just a privilege to be able to do a little bit to, to help take the profession forward. And well done for figuring out what it is that gives you energy and being okay with that. Because whenever we have conversations with someone that might have left the profession, they get to that point, but then they go completely in the other direction. And how cool is it that we can now get to do this and create content and yeah. add that is actually an option as a full-time career? No, for sure. And it's, um, you know, I, I think the interesting thing is when, when people start asking you, oh, can you help me with this and can you help me with that? You know, just because of the things like I had no idea until today, there's many things I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> you know, you figure them out and you try and, and you do things like that. But it's, um, it's definitely something I believe that, you know, just by having the courage to do stuff that others wish they did gives them the energy also to go and just take this head on and try as well. Um, you know, that those are the stories. It doesn't matter what happens or, or, you know, how well the business does or doesn't do, it doesn't really matter. The thing that gets to me, two things. If people phone me and they say to me, I'm lost, I'm struggle, I don't know, you know, I've, I just, I shouldn't feel like this. I love what I'm doing. I love this. So those are the things that, that resonate with me quite strongly because I know what that feels like. And then on the other hand, people that, that will somewhere out of the blue send you a message to say, like, you have no idea what that has done for me that you did two years ago, blah, blah, blah. And those are the things I think that keeps me going. It's not so much the what the business is doing and what we're busy building, et cetera. It's the the real impact that this has on so many people uh, that we don't even know about. And and that's really what it is. You just do what you do and then good things, I, I believe, will will happen. There's one thing I say, Louis, and I'm going to going to cut it off there is that you do something for the right reason to do the right thing for the right reason with the right intention everything else will will follow and fall in place absolutely what a wonderful way to end Francois all the best with your program and the content creation and selling of the tickets um, I'm sure it will be a massive success and it will change the lives of both the attendees and the people that get to work on this skill Thank you very much, Louis, and, and thank you for the opportunity and well done. Um, I know you're around about like, I don't know, 85 episodes, as you mentioned earlier. People really don't know what it takes to be this committed. So well done to you. Congratulations. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a real privilege to be able to work in this profession, uh, alongside people like yourself. So thank you very much as well. Thank you, Franchot.